Welcome back to the agenda with your Missoula County Commissioners. I'm Juanita Vero, and today we're picking up where we left off last week with transportation planner Aaron Wilson. Let's jump back in. You're you're talking about the encouragement of development uh, west of reserve, and there's a lot of chatter at the national level about urban planning and and 15-minute cities. People get a little twitchy about that term. Educate us. Yeah, well, I mean, you can call it a 15-minute city. You can call it whatever you want. The idea is that 100 years ago or whenever you'd have a neighborhood and you have services there and people didn't necessarily have to drive all the way across town to get their groceries – you could walk there, you were close to your school, you could live close to your job. There, there was just a lot more within a neighborhood. And the way planning and, and zoning and things evolved over the middle part of the century and through the 80s and probably even the 90s, so there was this idea of trying to separate all the uses. So you'd have your commercial over here and your residential over in this part of town and your industrial somewhere else. And some of that is good. You know, you don't want factories next to your housing. There were good reasons to start to think about that. But what we've done is we've sort of isolated our residential from all these other services, or we've just sort of spread out in a way that you can't do that. So you have to then drive everywhere you want to go. Long Yeah, a lot longer. And so then that just creates a lot of traffic. And the idea of the 15-minute city or the 15-minute neighborhood is that you can just walk or bike or... Or drive a short way. Or drive a short way, exactly. Instead of driving three miles, you're driving half a mile. And, And then that just makes a much more efficient operation of your city. And so you're not throwing all of your vehicles onto Reserve Street. You might just, you'll still go there. You still want to go to Costco and you can't have a Costco in every neighborhood. But you, but can you, have, could, have a, you could have a small grocery store. Exactly. Or, and I yep. dare say a bar because then you right. don't have to, <laughs> yes. you know, you can walk home. And then exactly. so folks who are resistant to this idea of a 15 minute city, what, what's their position? I, I'm just guessing. <laughs> but I think when people hear 15 minute city, they're saying, you're going to have to pry my cold dead fingers from my steering wheel if you want to take my car away. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why I was leaning into or a short drive. Because yes. when people yeah. feel like you're telling them, sorry, 82 year old person with two bad hips, yeah. you have to ride a bike. Right. No, you can yeah. drive. We're just talking yeah. about having a shorter drive rather than a longer drive. Yeah. I think that piece gets strategically yeah. taken out of the equation. And this becomes another instance to talk about freedoms being taken away as opposed to yeah. options being given. Yeah. I, I think it's also trying to make sure it's, it's not about mandating what every neighborhood looks like. Right. It's just thinking about neighborhoods and having those services in different ways. And every every neighborhood or every place could be very different. And it might look very different in rural Montana oh, yeah. than it does in the middle of... Context uh, is super yes. important. And, and it's, yeah, you're right. It's not about saying you can't drive, but making those other things much easier to do. And so the 20 or 30% of the population who is just waiting to do those maybe wants to walk but doesn't feel safe, all of a sudden you make it easy, they will. And then that preserves right. more ability for people to right. drive who just... I have no interest or no ability yeah. to. So I want to go back to this safety study. Yeah. We're talking about a part of our valley that is primed for truly spectacular growth over the next 20 yeah. years. Talking about the Swetupkin area where we got the build yeah. grant and out at the Y. We're really talking about... Yeah. You know, 10,000 plus units of housing over the next 20 years, not coming on Tuesday, but over the next 20 years. How do we make sure that this safety study we're doing now and the changes that follow accommodate that level of growth over the next two decades? That's where I think planning really comes into play. And it's it's really hard to predict how things will change. I mean, five years from now, let alone 20 years. Well, we know there's going to be a lot more units. We we know there will be change and that there will be impacts. And so we want to be thinking about that and imagining, like, what does the future look like? How do we accommodate (laughs) that in a way that, that makes sense? And you know, there's a number of different ways we could do that. We could do that where everyone is driving a vehicle. If we do that, there's no way we build ourselves out of congestion. It's just going to be more congested. But if we can make neighborhoods that have plenty of the things that people need, 
need and want close into where houses are, then even yep. if people are driving, they're driving a short way and congestion is mitigated. Yeah, there's that aspect. There's also creating different options for people. So some people will bike, some will walk, some might take the bus. You have all of these options. You're not forcing everyone to be on the roadway, which is sort of how we've developed for the last 50 or 100 years is saying like, if you don't drive, like you're just, you're very limited in where you can go or what you can do. Now we have remote work um, too. Yeah, remote work, exactly. To what so. you were alluding to, Josh, just in terms of the distribution in our community of different opportunities for retail that might now be more concentrated in one area. I remember a decade or so back when the hot topic was, what was Rattlesnake Gardens? Today's mm-hmm. Rattlesnake Market. This was like the breath of the devil himself. Know, it uh, it's like, oh my God, the yeah. sky is going to fall. Right, so right. It, it's it's a matter of how can we point to examples where this sort of land use pattern developed and it actually enhanced people's ability to to live a good life in a a neighborhood. I'd have to say in in my neighborhood, uh, the Trough and Dale's Dairy provide that same level of service. People go to these places, even though you could spend less money if you went to Costco. Or you went to Starbucks. And but you have those... to cross Reserve Street to do that. Yes. But <laughs> so the criticism is that these places will fail on economics, that price point is all people care about. And I say that's not true. People also put a value on time. And do I want to spend the time it takes to drive down Reserve Street? And the experience you have at these places that are unique, specific, endemic to a neighborhood and reflect the values and the character of the place in which they reside? Or do you risk your life, wait in traffic, so you can be somewhere that reminds you of nowhere. And people are happy to make those choices. <laughs> or reminds you of everywhere. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were on Reserve Street, but now let's move to a similar street. Uh, Brooks is another major roadway that connects Highway 93 to Missoula. So tell us more about Connect Midtown and, and Transform Brooks and, and those plans. Yeah, so there's a lot of exciting things happening in Midtown right now. The Midtown Association just wrapped up a, a master planning effort for that whole part of town around Southgate Mall and the fairgrounds and uh, Brooks Highway 93, looking at what can happen in that area, what's the future, and, and how can it change? And a, a big piece of that is, is Brooks. What's Midtown east to west? Generally about Reserve Street to Bancroft, give or take. It sort of varies depending on who you talk to, but roughly right, reserve, reserve to Bancroft far. and then I'd say 14th Mount to uh, Southwest Higgins. So it's a big area. It's a huge chunk of Missoula. And Brooks is the main street. You know, it's the defining part of Midtown or one of the defining pieces. And what we found in that master plan is that very similar to Reserve Street, Brooks serves a lot of traffic. It connects Highway 93 to downtown and to I-90, but it also splits Midtown roughly in half, diagonally running through it. And it can be really hard to get across. So like we talked about on Reserve, you know, there's not often not a lot of places to cross. If you do, you're sort of taking your life into your own hands. I have never walked across Brooks street or pushed a bicycle or ridden a bicycle across <laughs> brook street but i'm i'm married to a business owner on brooks and so i spend a lot of time there and get to watch uh, all that activity and it's interesting to see how things are, are changing and how people are using the street and we actually just had another pedestrian fatality on brooks um just a couple of days ago. And so there's clearly a need there. And, and what we heard in that master planning process is the people who, who live around Brooks and, and work there are really interested in finding ways to make that 
more accessible. So they want to go places, take those shorter trips, and it just feels like you can't get anywhere unless you drive. It's hard to get across even when you are driving. There's lots of issues with left turns. And then there's this idea of wanting to try to create a spine of transit service from the southwest part of Missoula into the core and into the downtown. And so the Transform Brooks project is really looking at all of that. How do we accommodate transit? How do we make it more permeable to people? How do we create a street that really fits into that master plan? While also, again, it's a federal highway. Highway 12 travels along Brook Street. It's a state department of transportation highway. And so very similar challenges to Reserve Street, but very different context. And uh, help me with the timeline again. Yeah. So we've been working on planning around Brooks for, gosh, almost 10 years now. I think I first got involved in it back in 2015. We did a couple of early studies, just getting an idea of what are the challenges, where we might want to go. This most recent effort is a, a grant that we received, a federal grant. It started about three or four months ago in earnest. And we're hoping to have this planning effort wrapped up hopefully by the end of the year or end of 2024. Oh, very similar to the reserve yep, yep. safety plan. And then from there, it's, okay, well, what is the, the project? How do we get that federal funding to actually make it a reality? And okay, back to another controversial topic, uh, parking. So folks uh, hear about new plans for roads and streets and bike lanes and bus lanes and get concerned. What are your thoughts there? What, do, what, what would you say to those folks? We're always looking at incremental change, typically. I mean, sometimes you have these big transformative projects, but often it's, you know, we're not eliminating any given thing. We're not taking away all of the parking. We're not trying to make it impossible for people to drive. But what we do want to do is think about those other modes, creating a more diversity of options. And when you have more diversity of options, people use those and it just makes a more efficient system. So for example, try to think of it as you're sort of chipping away at the margins that maybe there's 10% of people who want to walk to work today, but they can't get across Brook Street. And so they don't do that and they're driving. Well, if you make it easy for them to walk to that destination, so then that's 10% of the car trips that you've then converted to walking, not by forcing anyone to, but just making it possible for those people to do it. And that 10% reduction then opens up that capacity that they were using for their vehicle trips for other people who may want to drive or as Missoula grows or the Bitterroot grows and you have more traffic coming into Missoula. And so it's always kind of that marginal change of you're slowly shifting where the the priority is or, or how people are making their decisions just based on what they want to do, not what you're trying to force them to do. But yeah, talk about snow and where snow goes and folks who are biking or walking or in a wheelchair or so what can be done there or or the frustrations of drivers who are in the car and and dealing with snow snow is always a challenge doesn't really matter how you're traveling that you know whether you're on a car or walking or biking I mean snow just makes it more difficult to get around and a big piece of that is just our ability to maintain and be able to plow snow from the streets, having sidewalks shoveled. We have permanent counters on a lot of our trails and the ones that get plowed continue to see a fair amount of bike and pedestrian traffic all winter, you know, in the hundreds of of cyclists a day on some of our primary commuter trails, but those get plowed early in the day. They're clear of snow. It's easy to get through. Sharing an an anecdote, uh, particularly on Brook Street, I can't remember if I was driving or walking, but going downtown from Brook Street and seeing an individual who I would regularly see walking up Brook Street who had a walker and he was walking in the sidewalk, but was stuck at an intersection because neither of the curb ramps were plowed. And so there was a big berm of snow from the snow plows and he was just standing there. So if you imagine that someone who normally takes the bus, looks like maybe he has a disability where he can't drive. He was obviously trying to get somewhere and couldn't because... He was stuck. You know, people will walk and people will bike in the winter, maybe not as at higher levels, but if you have good, well-maintained, safe, accessible facilities, that people will. And so I think that's really important to consider that not everyone can drive and snow is an issue for all of us. And we need to really think about how we're managing that across all of our different options. Yeah. Thanks for that. 
Oh, so here's another one that involves a bunch of jurisdictions. Highway 200. Yeah, yeah that's, that's another one we've been working on for quite some time now. East Missoula is an interesting place. kind of grew up around the mills and the timber industry. And I think folks who lived there were either working on the railroad or working at the mills in Bonner. And so it was sort of more of a contained community and maybe a little bit more separate from Missoula. Things have changed a lot now, and we're seeing a lot more housing and development happening out there. And the roadway is just not built for it. So, you know, you go out into East Missoula on that, what would normally be a main street, there's no sidewalks, there's no curbs, there's no real intersection delineation. It's just sort of a big, wild, open, almost like the wild west of transportation. And so we've started planning and trying to think about what, what could that look like? How do we see East Missoula growing? What, what would make that better. Thinking about Marshall Mountain, how are people going to get out there and the traffic that we're going to see potentially. And so we put together a plan to both build out that main street, adding in sidewalks and street trees and turn lanes and defining those intersections to make them safer. Lighting, we have actually heard a lot of stories of people who sent their kids to school and they caught the school bus on Highway 200. They wouldn't let their kids walk out to the bus stop. They would drive them there even if it was three or four blocks because they didn't want them standing on the side of the road with no light and no place to be. And so this would fix all that. It would be adding in that infrastructure and really making it more of an urban street. In doing that, does that impact some of the, the side streets or specifically Speedway? Because I've heard folks concerned about what the future of Speedway is or what Speedway could turn into with the improvements to Highway 200. So yeah, so founded or not? Or... Yeah, I, mean, I think with all the development happening out there, we want to think about those intersections. Speedway is another challenging one. I think as we, we start to build out and develop that infrastructure, we'll be thinking about how are people both getting onto and off of Highway 200. So that's adding in those turn lanes and maybe it's putting in a roundabout at an intersection so that people people can get in and out of the neighborhoods. Watch out, yeah. out <laughs> right. Or maybe it's a traffic signal. You know, There's a lot of different ways we can do that. So as that project moves forward and we start looking at those, hopefully we'll, we'll hear in the next month whether we get the funding to actually start building that out. We had a, wrote a grant for about $30 million dollars should be really exciting. But we're seeing a lot of growth. I mean, you see all the apartments and things are going up there. And, you know, people, I think, wanting to do more in development and get some of those neighborhood services. And when you talk about the 15-minute neighborhood, you know, you need better infrastructure to have a neighborhood market or a restaurant or coffee shops. And so this would help build out the core infrastructure you need to then support those other things. And we got a listener question here. What are plans to add another road providing access to the Ranch Club neighborhood? Gosh, that's a... It's a good question. With all the development that's happening out in the, the Swift Decane area and with that master plan and kind of west of Reserve Street and off Mullen Road, I think the hope is that as those developments happen, you get better connectivity and so that you won't have just sort of one way in, one way out. That's a very kind of isolated location. And so I think that requires just looking at what are the opportunities for getting better connections in there. And So what do you think that could be? This is where all those kind of older, de- the developments from Secret. the- late 90s, early 2000s. I don't know what that looks like exactly. I mean, I think that's something we would want to talk with Shane at County Public Works and what we're able to build. Yeah, I think asking Shane that question, and, and obviously we would work and try to coordinate efforts on funding or other projects, but for those like really specific locations, it's often hard to say what the improvement would be. Folks, even in 2024, get concerned about roundabouts. Uh, me personally, I, I'm a fan of roundabouts, but how, how do people feel about them now? It's funny, I think the most common thing I hear is exactly what you said, that people are generally okay with roundabouts, but they don't think that other people can handle it. I have yet to talk to the person <laughs> who can't figure out the roundabout. So I'm not sure who those people are, but I have generally everyone is says that, yeah, I think roundabouts are fine, but people don't know how to use them is the most common thing I hear. What we find is that they're safer 
you know, we see a lot fewer crashes. We haven't had a fatality at a roundabout, I think, in the state of Montana ever, or maybe even in the country. Surprisingly, they actually operate traffic much more efficiently. So if you think about signals, you know, work well when you're at your peak traffic. So the busiest time of day. But if you think about it, everyone's gone up to a signal at nine o'clock at night and you sit there for a minute waiting and there's no traffic. Whereas at a roundabout, you just go in and you go around and you're on your way. And so they're much more efficient for those 23 hours of the day that you don't have a lot of traffic. And maybe they're a little bit slower at that one hour at peak after work travel time. So I think, you know, they're a really great tool. They don't work everywhere. They take up more space than a traditional signal. They're not always the exact right solution. But I think in a lot of places, they're safer. They work more efficient. And frankly, most people know how to use them, I think, despite everyone's had a bad experience at a roundabout. But if you think about signals, like how often do you go to a signal and a left turn person goes late or someone blows through the red light or, you know, it happens at signals, too. We just are more familiar with them. Yeah. So. yeah, traffic, those traffic circles in neighborhoods are actually just traffic calming. They're not actually a roundabout. And so you right. would still yield to the right. So those function the same way. You know, the idea with those is that people are slowing enough that you actually reduce a lot of conflicts. Because even if people don't really know, they're not going through the intersection at 30 miles an hour and T-boning somebody. So a little bit of confusion from a safety perspective is often a good thing because people slow down and then they have to think about it. Whereas an uncontrolled intersection, they're just like, I'm going to go straight through and I'm not paying attention. And, and all of a sudden you throw this thing in there that they're not expecting and then they have to navigate it and they tend to slow down and... There's a lot of good evidence that that sort of forces people to think through and navigate that more safely. Uh, just trying to tie up some loose ends here. How can how can folks get involved? Oh, anyway is I think a good way to get involved. We're we're actually just starting our long range transportation plan update, and we'll have which looks regionally at all of these different projects and how they relate, and asking people what their experiences and issues are with transportation. So we'll have a, a website for that. People can stay either through the the county voice. And um, Missoula County Voice, Missoula County Voice, and Engage Missoula is sort of the city's side of that, and there's often a lot of overlap between those two for these kinds of projects that are both. What would Uh, be the keywords folks uh, should Google? Transportation is always a good one. (laughs) 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 Or Missoula MPO. We have a website, MissoulaMPO.com, that is a great place to just sort of get updates on all these projects. But, you know, we try to have in-person events. We have opportunities for online commenting. We'll do some virtual events. And so however people want to get involved, and that's why I say whatever way you want to get involved is great because everyone has different preferences and all of those are effective at the end of the day. Yeah, so have we missed anything? We, we cover just this idea of we don't want to force people to not drive. That's not our goal, but it's to make it easier for people to make choices that might be different than driving. So it's sort of a more positive reinforcement than just don't drive. And then the land use connection. So I think, yeah, we've covered. That's a good. Yeah. So before we close, um, can you share with us a good book or source of inspiration? Yes. A good book that come out, came out recently called Paved Paradise. It's about how parking has essentially shaped our world for the last 50 or 100 years. It's a really fascinating read. It's sort of one take on how we've grown and developed and and the way our world works. But it's really interesting. Who wrote it? Henry Grabar. Yeah, talking about parking and how it shapes everything in, in our world, really from housing to open space, things like climate, everything in between. So really fascinating read and helps people understand how that decision making or that we we prioritize this place for us essentially just to store a vehicle and it controls so many things in our lives it's really really fascinating and there's some interesting snippets in there for example this came out of other studies but cars are parked about 95 percent of the time so we spend all this money and all this time for a thing that just sits parked for 95 percent of the time 
It's fascinating to think about. You know, there are benefits to that. It's not necessarily a, a good or bad, but there are some values there. And I think yeah. it's a, an interesting perspective for people to be aware of how those decisions shape our lives. Oh, well, thank you so yeah. much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Agenda. If you enjoy these conversations, it would mean a lot if you'd rate and review the show on whichever podcast app you use. And if you know a friend who would like to keep up with what's happening in local government, be sure to recommend this podcast to them. The Agenda with the Missoula County Commissioners is made possible with support from Missoula Community Access Television, better known as MCAT, and our staff in the Missoula County Communications Division. If you have a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, email it to communications at missoulacounty.us. To find out other ways to stay up to date with what's happening in Missoula County, go to missoula.co slash county updates. Thanks for listening.